We got a lot to talk about today. We got two spring training games to go over. We have the first round of roster cuts. We have some injuries to update people on. We have a Parker Meadows player preview. We have the World Baseball Classic starting. A lot to go over. All today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers. Your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Thursday, March 9th, 2023. Thank you for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. All righty, we are back and better than ever, I hope. Uh, we got a lot to go over, as I said in the cold open. Uh, we're going to start off with the spring training games, talk about the last two games, uh, since we didn't get to talk about spring training games yesterday because we had uh, Tigers minor leaguer Sawyer Gibson long on, so go check that out if you haven't already. Um, so we will go over both of those games. One, a lot of scoring. One, next to no scoring. But both Tigers victories, we will go over those. Then, we, Like I said, we have the first round of roster cuts to go over. Cuts is like not even the right word for this. They're they're still obviously within the organization. They're just moved from major league camp to minor league camp. They'll probably still play in some spring training games, to be honest with you. But they officially have no chance of making the opening day rosters, I guess, more of what the wording should be there. Then we have injury updates on uh, two utility guys that are both fighting for roster spots. And then we'll end the show with a Parker Meadows player preview. Sound good? Cool. Let's start uh, in chronological order here. Okay, so let's go first to the 16-3. to 16-3 to victory over the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, full disclosure, the St. Louis Cardinals are one of my least favorite teams in all of sports. Uh, and I actually am such a nerd that I have a very it's, – it's revolving. It changes, you know, as – time progresses and certain things happen to certain organizations but uh, I have a list where I rank all 30 teams in the notes section on my phone Uh, it's been going on since 2016 17 I want to say I've been updating it and it's literally just ranking every team in the order of how much I like them and the Cardinals have a long-standing kind of just house built on 30th so I don't even care that it's spring training. I love beating, destroying rather, the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm, I'm a fan, okay? So within that game, let's talk about the observations, players that stood out. This game was not televised, uh, but Wednesday's game was, so we will have some game footage to, to talk about and observations from that. But uh, in this game, Nick Maton, one of the biggest storylines of this game, a ton of offense, so not a surprise that, There's going to be a lot of standouts offensively in a game in which 16 runs were scored. But Nick Maton specifically went three for three. He's got an OPS over 1,000 now on the spring at the time of this recording. Uh, He has been phenomenal, and he looks pretty sound defensively at third as well in the, the time that we have been able to actually watch him at third. And yeah, I mean, I, I've said this before. I've said this uh, several times already this spring, and I think it holds true still 
is that if the season started today, I think he would be the opening day third baseman. I think at this point, it's probably his job to lose now. I don't think we're finding anybody in the spring that's going to start 130 games at third base. I just think to start off the season, it'll probably be May time. But I do expect it to be somewhat of a revolving door with uh, quite a few dudes getting a, a look at third base in the regular season, just like they are in spring. But always good, when, especially with how poorly the offense was last year. We will gladly take, no matter what position you play, good hitting. Okay, and Nick Maton is, is off to a really nice start. We did his player preview a couple days ago, so uh, you can go check that out as well. Uh, Riley Green continues to crush the baseball. He didn't play on Wednesday, but he did play on Tuesday in this victory. And you know, I think it was Evan Petzl tweeted out that, like, in his last, in Green's last, uh, like, nine or ten balls put in play, like, six or seven of them are over 100 miles an hour exit velocity. Like, he is just mashing the baseball at the moment. Beautiful to see. He's got a slugging percentage that looks like an OPS. Beautiful, okay? Uh, another fun thing about this game, really upset that it was not televised for really this reason. Isaac Pacheco making an appearance and putting together some really good at-bats. He certainly won't make the roster or anything. I'm pretty sure he's part of minor league camp. Uh, but very cool to see him get work in a spring training game and have a solid game, have some success as well. Weird thing about this game, only one home run was hit for the Detroit Tigers. 16 runs scored, only one homer was hit. That homer was hit by Andre Lipsius. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you are well aware of my, my passion for Andre Lipsius. I don't even know if passion was the right word there. My my fondness for Andre Lipsius. I love this kid. I think he puts together such professional at-bats, walks a ton. That's kind of right up my alley. That's my cup of tea. That's my type of hitter. And in the spring, he's just been absolutely crushing the ball. I, I don't think that it's going to take a lot of stuff to happen for him to be on this like opening day roster or anything. I don't think that's happening really. Maybe, unfortunately, no matter how good he does in the spring, just because of where he stands so far at this point in his career and kind of what the needs are around him as well. But regardless, really cool to see him just excel so much in the spring. He made a really nice play defensively in Wednesday's game against the Nationals as well, had a diving stop there. Uh, he's just looked really solid, and I love seeing him get more playing time. And as dudes start leaving for the WBC, I think we'll only see him get more and more playing time, which I love. I, I'm a huge fan of Lipsius and a huge fan of him getting more playing time. Okay. The pitching in this game, uh, Matthew Boyd was definitely the standout on the mound for the Tigers in this victory. Three innings pitched, one hit. It was a solo homer. No shock to anyone. No walks, seven strikeouts. That is a heck of a performance. And, you know, it's, 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 uh, like, I joke, it's a very stereotypical Matthew Boyd stat line to like have a ton of strikeouts and home runs and that's it. Uh, and it was only one homer, you know, whatever. But it, it, it's it's still on brand because that's already the second outing we've had that's really similar to this. A lot of strikeouts, one homer again. So uh, just <laughs> plenty of time until opening day, plenty of adjustments still to be made. This is really great. Great sign to see him getting that many strikeouts and swings and misses. He got a boatload of swings and misses in this game. Again, wish we were able to see it. I'm going to keep complaining about it. I'm sorry. 
but I think it's ridiculous that we can't watch every spring training game in 2023. But all the numbers look good. Uh, outside of Boyd, the only other really big standout pitching-wise that I want to talk about is Garrett Hill in that game, who uh, yet again, the data says that he was pumping 96-mile-an-hour fastballs and 94-mile-an-hour sinkers. Uh, I, look, I, I think every day that goes by, I become more and more confident that Garrett Hill is going to be in this bullpen on opening day. And I don't, I'm not sure what that means for the starting pitcher, Garrett Hill. And I'm not sure what that means long-term for starting pitcher, Garrett Hill. But I am really liking what I've seen out of the relief pitcher, Garrett Hill, so far. And I, I think he's really making a case to, to be kind of that swingman type of pitcher uh, that Tyler Alexander type of role on this roster that can go out there. And if you really need it, he can start a game, but mostly he's going to give you two to three innings out of the pen of, of really good work. So like what I'm seeing out of him for sure. Okay, let's get into the Nationals game. Then we will get into all the rest we got to talk about. Still got plenty to go over today. But first, I got to tell you all about our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the midway point of the NBA season which makes it the perfect time to download the FanDuel Sportsbook app, America's number one fan, number one sportsbook, rather, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe. It's secure. It's super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything, from the money line, point scores, three-pointers drained, etc. The list really does go on. They have a ton of cool props. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Segment two here at Locked on Tigers. Appreciate you all for tuning in as always. So, Let's go over this 2-1 to one victory over the Washington Nationals on Wednesday afternoon. This game, as I said earlier, was televised, which is awesome. And it was actually the first, like, Bally Sports Detroit broadcast, right? Like, we've had a couple of televised games, but they've all been the opposing team's crew. This was the first, like, Todd Jones was in the, uh, the booth doing some color there for a little bit for a few innings. Uh, and, and, and like Shep and Gibby and everybody like this was actually Bally Sports Detroit for the first time this spring. So that was kind of cool as well. Let's talk about on the field. Uh, first thing I want to discuss. What is the first thing I want to discuss? Let's talk Austin Meadows. He had two really hard hit balls, but he's just not lifting the ball very much this spring. His numbers are not very good. Uh, he's got plenty of time to make adjustments, especially after uh, or especially given, I guess, how long it has been since he's played like competitive baseball. You know what I mean? Like given all the injuries and and then like taking the rest of the year off last year, it's been a while since he's been in an in-game situation. So I'm not too terribly worried about it, but something to keep an eye on for sure. Um, I said earlier in the spring that I really thought his swing looked night and day, like way better than it did last year. And I still believe that I feel more confident with him in the box than I ever did last season. Uh, but Still some adjustments clearly to be made, especially with getting the ball into the outfield, hitting a lot of really hard ground balls at the moment. Uh, Cesar Hernandez, somebody else I want to talk about, had another solid game, I thought. Uh, it feels like all of his games 
kind of so far have been really solid. Uh, he's not like wowing. He's not blowing anybody away and like, oh my goodness, this dude's going to put up, you know, six war or anything. But he's been a, a really solid player and like noticeably ha- has been really solid. I think in pretty much every game he's played in this year. Uh, and I think he's absolutely in the mix for that kind of utility infielder role. Uh, if there's what, I mean, if you, if you go through the locks on the roster, we'll probably do that for an episode here coming up. Just talk about how many spots there really are available on this roster. But I, I think that there is room for Cesar Hernandez if, if he keeps playing the way he's playing. And right now I, I, I would probably put him on the roster to be completely honest with you. Okay. Next up, uh, Zach short. This is a big discourse going around the Tigers social media online, I guess we'll call it community at the moment. Okay. Um, Zach short is having a really good spring and he has had a few solid games in a row since I said on here, I think it was early last week. I basically said if he continues struggling because like the first game or whatever of the spring, he he didn't look very good. And I basically said, if he keeps struggling in the spring, that he's just going to play himself off of the 40-man roster entirely. And that is very much not the case anymore. He has uh, really been crushing the ball the last two or three, maybe even four games. Still a ways to go before I'm on the bandwagon of, like, Zach Short's going to be on the major league roster. I still think there's not enough spots to just assume that Zach Short's going to be there. But it is certainly worth noting that He's a versatile defender that can play a lot of different positions. He's been hitting the ball well in the spring, and he draws walks. Feels like a Scott Harris guy, don't it? That, that's why he made it through the offseason. And that's why he's still here playing, uh, you know, meaningful at-bats in the spring. So we'll see what happens. Like I said, I'm, I'm no way am I saying on March 9th that Zach Short's going to be on this opening day roster or deserves to be on this opening day roster, but – I think he is definitely someone to keep an eye on for because when you're talking about that utility infield roles, uh, he has certainly played himself into the mix and he's most certainly not playing himself off of the 40 man uh, like I alluded to might happen about a week ago. So definitely something to keep an eye out for there. Let's talk about the pitching in this game. Eduardo Rodriguez, man, he has looked, I've been so impressed with his spring training. Uh, I think of Obviously, again, the televised games, he has maybe looked better than any pitcher on the Tigers so far, to be honest with you. Again, I, we haven't seen Boyd pitch on TV yet. We haven't seen like Michael Lorenzen pitch on TV yet. There's a lot of dudes that we haven't, Spencer Turnbull, et cetera. Uh, but of all the ones we have seen televised, I think there's an argument that he's looked the best. I think he's looked phenomenal. The fastball command looks really good. It was really good on Wednesday. I thought the cutter was excellent on Wednesday. Uh, got Not only did he get a lot of weak contact with it and ground balls with it, which is what he usually tries to do with the pitch, but he got a lot of called strikes, just kind of like was tunneling really well, the four seam and cutter. And, you know, people thought it was going to be a fastball outside and then it cut at the last second and got, you know, the corner of the strike zone. I, I thought he really sequenced everything really, really well. Still waiting on him to throw non-variations of fastball, which admittedly most of his repertoire is, but haven't seen too many change-ups or breaking balls yet. So kind of waiting there to see, but so far the sinker, cutter, fastball all look really good. Uh, He has a zero ERA in the spring. He literally has not given up a run yet. Uh, Three and a third, four hits, one walk, six strikeouts on Wednesday. So 
uh, a lot of like called strikes, some swinging strikes. Uh, the four hits, they were very Erod hits. Two of them were with two outs, and they were just weak singles up the middle. So, like, you know, we got out of it, and they didn't really do any damage, and they weren't like they were crushed anyway. Just really solid. I also think it's important to note that in this game, uh, Haas and Erod both called pitches. I think that that's very important to bring up because last Erod start, we talked about how Erod was calling almost all of his pitches, and A.J. Hinch was like, that's not going to fly. So it was really cool. And they even asked Hinch and Erod about it. And both of them were kind of like, yeah, you know, we want to stick to the game plan. We let Hasi kind of take control based on the, the the game plan and based on the hitter that was up. But Erod had the ability to, to communicate with Haas as well for where he wanted some pitches to go in certain situations. So maybe that's a nice compromise that we're going to see. But I thought it was important to bring up just given uh, his last start. Only a couple more here. Uh, Alex Lang rocks. Um, yeah, okay. Last one is just Spencer Torgelson. He went over two in this game, but he had an 109.7 mile an hour exit velocity, 410 foot, 980 expected batting average flyout, followed by an 105 mile an hour exit velocity, 382 foot, 920 expected batting average lineout. That's nuts. That's insane bad luck. I'm not sure I've ever seen anything like that. Jason Beck, uh, the Tigers beat for MLB.com, tweeted a stat where he said Torque has like eight balls this spring hit over 101 miles an hour, and only three of them are hits. It's just, I I know that some people are really frustrated with him, and some people are like very far the other way, where they're super kind of apologetic with him, and I, I, I'm I'm trying to be somewhere in the middle, but this is objectively really bad luck. Like, I'm not sure there's any way around it at this point. I still think he needs to work on some of the low pitches, but he did take one of those low fastballs uh, for 410 feet in, uh, in Wednesday's game. That was a low heater. So some stuff to work on for sure. I'm not saying, you know, he should be having a, a thousand OPS or anything, but like this is objectively nuts. And so I, I, I feel for him. And I hope that he keeps doing what he's doing. Eventually, the ball's got to find the gap, I'd hope. Um, I I thought he really did look solid today. Good pitch selection on which pitches he was swinging at and obviously very solid execution, even if it led for over 2. Okay? Uh, Only other stuff. Well, that's it for the spring training games, actually. Let's get into the injury updates. So, Tyler Nevin is having an MRI done on Wednesday. So, I'm recording this Wednesday afternoon right after the game ends. Uh, So if the results of the MRI are available by the time you're listening to this on Thursday, I hope that it's positive. But at this present moment, for me in my world, I don't have the information yet. Had oblique soreness. uh, So hopefully it's nothing. And the MRI comes back clean and he only misses a couple of days. Because I think there, honestly, Nevin was looking decently solid and being a guy that can play the corners kind of everywhere. Uh, I think that he was in the mix for one of the utility spots as well. So hopefully a, an injury doesn't hamper that. Uh, and then the other one was Andy Abanez has a finger injury. He's playing with team Cuba, I believe. And yeah, didn't play on yesterday's WBC opener uh, two days ago. As time you're listening to this immediate reports, make it sound like it, it shouldn't hinder him for too terribly long. It, it, they kind of avoided, you know, there were some worries that it was going to be relatively serious and it doesn't sound like it is. So again, updates to come, but uh, so far we're, we're cautiously optimistic about both first round of roster cuts as well. 
Uh, there were six players, I believe, that were sent to uh, from Major League Camp to Minor League Camp. That is Elvis Alvarado, Adam Wolf, Dylan Dingler, Julio E. Rodriguez, Justin Henry Malloy, and Colt Keith. The Colt Keith one we always knew was happening. Uh, again, and this doesn't mean like these dudes will probably still get looks in spring training games. Like this is not, you're not just never going to see them again. Uh, but just as far as, you know, they're definitely not making the opening day roster, as I said earlier. So Colt Keith, we knew that a while ago, AJ Hinge was very open about the fact that he had pretty much no chance of making the opening day roster, but still cool to see him get some looks in spring, some spring training games. Uh, Justin Henry Malloy this early, I think is a little surprising, but also, again, like he, he'll be around. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he'll be around. And I, I, uh, I think there was some, you know, in January, some people had some outside hope that maybe Henry Malloy uh, was going to play really, really well in the spring and kind of turn some heads and be in that conversation for third base uh, on opening day. And, and that, I, I think that was always a little bullish, but um, I reaffirmed here that he will be starting the season in the minors. Julio E. Rodriguez is a depth catcher. That one makes sense. Dylan Dingler, again, makes sense. Certainly not major league ready uh, and won't be by opening day. So he'll start the season in the minors. Adam Wolf uh, and Elvis Alvarado, both some pitchers that have flashed at times. And I am not low on either of them. So uh, we will see. Uh, I, the decision is fine. That, that's a, that's a, I didn't expect either of them to come close to the major league roster. But uh, two dudes that I think in the minors this year, I will continue to have an eye on, especially Adam Wolf. Okay, uh, I think that's everything before Parker Meadows. So let's get into that. We'll do that right after this. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Third and final segment here at Locked On Tigers. So we are going to talk a little bit of Parker Meadows today. Uh, not a terribly long player preview for him either because I think a lot of people are – uh, relatively on the same page, but his play this up to this point in the spring has certainly turned some heads. And I think this is more of a conversation than it was two weeks ago. Okay. So uh, the first thing I've said this a ton, I don't want a broken record this, but speed kills. And this dude can absolutely fly. Okay. And that is uh, arguably his biggest attribute. And, you know, it's, it's one thing to have speed, but it's also important to utilize that speed correctly, right? Like Austin Jackson didn't really steal bases. That dude could fly. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's, uh, using your speed correctly is, is very important as well as, you know, just inherently having it. Uh, so intangible there, check for sure. Uh, but last year, Parker Meadows was arguably, I don't think he was the biggest because I think Kerry Carpenter, uh, probably takes the crown, but, uh, he, he was one of the biggest development storylines in the entire organization last year. He took huge steps forward after several years of not very good offense and not very good hitting. Really just turned it around, made some adjustments, adjustments rather, and crushed the baseball. So dating back to 2018, when he was in rookie ball, 876 OPS, but not very many games played and it was in rookie ball, Okay. Low single A in 2018, 749 OPS. Single A in 2019, 607 OPS. 2021, single A, 697 OPS. 2021, high single A, 620 OPS. Okay, so a lot of, of, of levels there 
where the OPS just isn't even above 700. Okay. Then 2022 happens in high single A. He has an 812 OPS. He gets promoted to Erie, spends most of the season there, and has a phenomenal season with an 820 OPS, a 10.5% walk rate, and an 18.4% K rate. That's something that I want to talk about as well because this is a, a, a guy that was striking out a pretty decent amount before last season as well. Just we're looking at K rates. Almost 30%, 28 28.5%, 22.5%, 25%, 24%, 27%. Then he finds himself in double A where he plays 113 games and has almost 500 plate appearances. Sub 19% walk rate with, or K rate with a walk rate of over 10.5%. Just all around a phenomenal season. And uh, really, really specifically crushed righties. But we'll get into that in a second. I think, you know, when looking at him defensively as well, he's mostly played center field as a pro, which makes a ton of sense, right? We talk about how fast he is, Uh, but he can play the corners as well. So that kind of gives him a little bit of versatility, you know, can plug and play wherever they need him in the outfield. Um, And as I said, I think it was two days ago when, oh, well, maybe not. Regardless. Uh, I really like the idea of getting a super good and fast defensive center fielder and having Riley Green long-term move to the corners. And I think that Parker Meadows, if he can utilize his speed to make him a really, really good defender, that's an outfield that could cover a ton of ground in Comerica Park. So uh, I I like that. That's something that they've already kind of featured a little bit in the spring. We've talked about it a a bunch. I don't need to go back into it too much, but uh, again, just reiterating that Parker Meadows is going to get a look in center field, and I think he deserves that that look at a bare minimum. Okay, so uh, offensively, the biggest thing with him, okay, and we've talked about this before a little bit at the beginning of the season, uh, of spring training rather, uh, he crushes righties. He still, even last year with that 820 OPS, does not hit lefties very well. We're looking at his splits. They are night and day, right? So minor leagues last season had an 888 OPS against right-handed hitting, a 290 batting average, and a K rate of only 16.6%. Okay? All phenomenal numbers. Not striking out very much. High batting average, power, drawing walks. Just almost a 900 OPS against righties, right? Crushed. Against lefties, a 196 batting average, a 562 OPS, a 30.6% K rate, and only drew three walks all season against left-handed pitching. Just night and day. And that, that is dramatic, right? That's not like, oh, you know, 50 OPS points and uh, or, or even 100 OPS points, even 200 OPS points. And like, 10% difference in K rate and like five or 6% difference in walk rate and whatever. This is this 20, well, 15, I guess, percent difference in K rate. Literally only drew three of his walks all season against lefties and over 300 OPS points different. Okay. I know y'all can do math and, and I've reiterated that because I can't do math. That is remarkable. That is a very dramatic difference. So I'm not ever really going to be in a position where I'm going to ask Parker Meadows to go out there and have an 850 OPS against left-handed hitting. 
But if he can just figure it out a little bit more, I think that that would go a long way. But the biggest thing is, honestly, there's more righties than than lefties on the mound, right? If he can just continue to crush righties at the major league level with his speed, they will find work for him, and he'll just be a a, a utility type of player. Okay, so let's end with talking about his role on the team, what we can expect in the organization from him this year. Right now, he's very much fighting for that fourth outfield spot, like so many other players, right? We, We talk about it all the time. Uh, and the sad fact is, and weird fact, being a lefty is oddly not helping him here. I feel like most times, whether it's pitchers, whether it's hitters, just like across the board, if you are a lefty, that gives you a little bit of an edge on a lot of people and kind of like a half step forward. Cause they're like, Oh, like that's, you know, like that'll help us. So, you know, we we're full of righties, you know, a lefty is good. This is a weird case in which that doesn't help at all because literally all of our outfielders outside of Matt Vierling are already lefties. So no step forward there, but something that, that (laughs) they can't all make the roster. So uh, definitely kind of in that mix there. He has the speed as we've said, but as I kind of alluded to earlier, you know, like speed is a great intangible to have, but you need to be able to utilize it on the base paths and get stolen bases. That's very incentivized this season, as we've talked about a lot already in spring training as well. Uh, And defensively, there's a lot of dudes who are really fast that where it doesn't translate into amazing defense necessarily. So utilizing his just given abilities and turning them into, you know, those tools to then be able to use is uh, going to be a key for him for sure. And if he can do both of those things, that hot seat for everybody else is going to get a little bit hotter. And this conversation is going to get a little bit more intense as the closer we get to opening day. Um, and, you know, again, he'll need to continue crushing right-handed pitching. If he adjusts and hit lefties a little bit better, then you're talking about someone who could grow out of like the platoon type of label. But uh, especially with how many righties there are, like I said, there's nothing wrong with, with him being a, a really toolsy plus defender, good on the base paths guy that crushes right-handed hitting. Like there will always be room for that in the game of baseball. So those are the things to kind of keep an eye out for. As far as what I expect from him early on, like where he's going to be, I would say if the season started right now, he's probably not on my major league roster. Uh, that's not to say that I think it's ridiculous if you have him on yours on March 9th, but Uh, I would probably still have him just barely on the outside looking in. And it's a fluid situation, though. Who knows? He he could keep raking like he already has. And six, seven days from now, we could be talking about Parker Meadows playing his way on to being the fourth outfielder of this baseball team. Okay, I mean, yeah, like, you know, guys like Veerling really do kind of the opposite, we, well, we've talked about a lot of players, honestly, that are really good against either righties or lefties and, and struggle against the other. So there's definitely platoon potential for this outfield to put together some some good lineups. And uh, I, 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 it's not as much of a, like, quote-unquote necessity for Meadows as maybe I alluded to for some other people that we've talked about just because he does has so many other tools and does so many, so many other things well. I think he'll have a long career kind of regardless, but it would be nice. I'm still looking at that. It would be very, very nice if he could even be a serviceable or like slightly below league average hitter against lefties. That would be awesome. Cool. All right. 
Thank you for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every single day. For your next listen, check on the Lockdown Fantasy Baseball podcast. Uh, listen to Matt and Dom every single day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Win your league. Find win your league and find Lockdown Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. All righty. That's all I got for y'all. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. Thank you for tuning in. As always, we will be back tomorrow for our final episode of the week. And yeah, I would imagine, you know, some players are leaving for the WBC. Oh, Netherlands, Cuba, great ball game. Uh, very excited. Very excited for the WBC. Um, I love it. I'm going to try to watch as much as possible. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. And I'll catch you all tomorrow, baby. Go 